about this? These two. These two people. Uh, I am geeking out to the Geeks Unleashed podcast. Mark. Jasmine. What a nerd. Nerd alert. <laughs> Unleashed television. What are you talking about? Anything can be a podcast. Video game. <laughs> what is a geek? Oh, hi, Mark. The whole point is, of course, the plot is. You guys have great conversations. Uh, I am geeking out. Unleashed. Movies. People love movies. All right, you guys, podcast time. You're listening to the Geeks Unleashed podcast. Part of the security badass, we take our passions and our fandoms and we turn them into conversations with you. Hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed, episode 148. I'm Mark. I'm Jasmine. Uh, each week on the Geeks Unleashed podcast, we catch up on our pop culture lives and we bring you a review of something adapted from the comic book or gaming world. Yes, and before we get started, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. We appreciate that. We would also love it if you would like this video and subscribe to our channel. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, we appreciate that as well. We'd also love it if you'd leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Also, please feel free to donate to our Ko-Fi. We would appreciate any funds if you would like to donate them and send any cash our way. Uh, link is in the description. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to our first segment. This year's second geek yes. of the week. So I, I was torn. I'll be honest with you. I was really torn on what to do. Um, so I'll tell you what, I'm going to let Jasmine go first whilst I consider which one I'm going to shout out. Okay. Well, so I've been doing a lot more like catching up on webtoons that I've heard other people talking about. And so one of the webtoons I've been reading this past week um, is called Operation True Love. It is on webtoon. So it is. Webtoon is free. I mean, unless you spend the money to like have the coins so that you can get episodes early, which I do not. Um, so right now it's, uh, I think they're coming up on like the season one finale. So it's like 80 some odd episodes. So I'm about halfway through me catching up, but I've really been enjoying it. It's like this, it's like a slice of life kind of romance um, thing, but it's it's for teens. Everything on Webtoons is is for teens it's not anything that you would ever buy and it comes plastic wrapped um but it's about like this high school girl who for whatever reason like she doesn't have what they call like a love quotient um so like they live in this in this world I guess where it's like there's a corporation that can see how much love someone will get in their lives. And so that corporation uses it to find the people that they're going to train to become idols. And so they gave her a piece of that technology where she can like hold up this phone and she can see like how much love other people receive. And for whatever reason, her number is always zero. Um, And so like the guy behind the entertainment company now is just like messing with her. And he's like, look, if you don't figure out how to get somebody to love you, I'm just going to kill you. And she's like, the hell like what is what does that have to do with anything um so it's like this tiny little supernatural element but like it's a it's a really fun kind of interesting story so like I said I'm about halfway through um it's kind of what I read like winding down for bed sitting on the couch it's like oh let me see if I can get five episodes in before I'm sleepy um but I'm really enjoying it so that's actually interesting um <laughs> So, how did, so is it? So, because I'll be honest with you, I've never done a webtoon. I should actually ask it. So, webtoon sounds like a cartoon, but you said read it. So, is it? So, they're all comics. Um, Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, sort of like that, 
the the hard copy book that I that I got that was based on a web comic. Um, so they're all comics, but they're all in, they're meant to be read on mobile. So they're all in that long scroll format, not necessarily right. like traditional style panels in regular comics. Um, so they're, all, they're all long, they're all long, like screen. Yeah. So yep. you just tap it and it turns or zooms in. Or... No, you scroll. It's, it's oh, like you just a... scroll up. So yeah, you scroll up, like, like, so like you're on a reel, you just flick, flick, yes. flick. Yeah. Um, but rather than so, watching Yeah, it's somebody... not flicking, you're just scrolling up to read the story. But um, I mean, depending on who who's drawing it and how much text there is, like it could take you five minutes to read one episode. Um, okay. So it just kind of depends on how much work the author is putting into it. Um, but yeah, it's like a perpetual scroll. So like one episode, you just scroll, 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 um, and then you can go on to the next one. Um, are, but they, like are, these, are these free? Like to, to so webtoon or... is free. Um, you okay. can read a bunch of free stuff on webtoon. A lot of times, what they'll do is if something is super popular, they put it behind what they call like a daily pass. Mm -hmm. So if it's really, really popular, then you get only one free episode a day. So every right. 24 hours, you have to come back to read the next free episode. And if you forget, then you're shit out of luck because it starts okay. over at the very beginning. So oh, really? it's, it's really a way to like hook <laughs> you in to kind of keep you going. Thankfully, what I have been catching up on on Webtoons is not like all of their super super popular stuff so it's not behind the daily pass um so that's why i've been able to read like 40 some odd episodes over the past week um but yeah it's it's fun and they have this um so they have their super super mainstream stuff which an there was another really popular web web tune that got turned into a book um it's called lore olympus and it was the i don't know how like the author just like blew up got so so popular that it's like and those books are thick. They're like omnibus thick uh, to collect all of the all of the comic content that she had been putting out. So some people get lucky, like um, God of High School, which became an anime on Crunchyroll, or Nobleese, which also became an anime on Crunchyroll. They were all originally webtoons that got picked up by other people. So it's like a almost like a farming ground for other forms of media to to pick up new things and there's also a ton of webtoons that have been turned into korean dramas like so many k dramas are based on webtoons nowadays um so it's like a really good place to go and and read the original if if you're into that kind of media because a lot of them there's a lot of them that have popped up on webtoon first before they get picked up somewhere else so so with the, daily part, with the daily pass thing, is it something you pay, like, can you pay to have unlimited access or is it just literally, it's just a way of keeping coming back to the website? Pretty much that. So they have what they call like coins. So you can buy like a coin pack, you know, it's like, I don't know, 20 bucks and you get a thousand coins. And then whenever you want to unlock an episode that is not like a free episode, it costs like seven coins. So oh, okay. it's like a pay as you go kind of model, which I hate. So that's why I don't pay for webtoons. I only read what is free on the webtoon platform. But Manta is a platform that I pay for. And I pay for that one by the year. And so then I can read unlimited everything uh -huh. because they don't charge per episode on Manta. But then you have the other popular platforms like uh, Linzen or Ritty Books. Um, those are all like the super popular Korean ones. And you pay, again, it's a pay per episode model for those. Tappy Tune, Boom Tune, all of those. Uh, tonight, because I know you mentioned webtoons a lot, and I thought, actually, I've never really asked you about them. I didn't know that much about, like, I, I knew nothing, actually. Now I realize I know nothing until you explained it. So, 
I hope people found that helpful as I did. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's easy, like, and because it's a free platform, I mean, it's it's just like any other app you download. It's like a in-app purchase, as they say, like, it's free to download it, and there's plenty of free content in there, but sometimes, like, if you're impatient, they make you pay to keep up up to date with some things. I assume but, the reason, because, you know, you said a lot of it's free, I assume the reason people do this is that they hope eventually somebody might pick up them and, like, say, turn into a K-drama or... yeah. Or exactly. it might lead it might it might lead to some form of paid work. So yeah, well, I think there is depending on I think there has to be some kind of pay model. I'm not sure what the pay model is, but more than likely they get some kind of payment per view. Because when I used to write for Screen Rant, it was you have a base fee whenever you post something. And then mm-hmm. on top of the base fee, it's like you get, I don't remember anymore like a certain dollar amount per x number of views so like for every thousand views for example you get paid another 50 cents or something like that it wasn't that high but um i'm sure webtoons works the same way um because so medium you know medium like you you can put um uh pay pass on certain posts Mm -hmm. uh, and you'll get paid per view on your post so i assume it's similar I think it would have to be. I think that's a pretty standard like online model for online kind of content consumption. I don't know what that pay is, but I also know like sometimes if a creator gets more popular then Webtoons will put some of their recent episodes behind an ad. So it's like you got to watch a 30 second ad in order to read the new episode versus having to pay the coins to read the episode. Okay. Yeah. Um, I like the idea that it's quite simple on your phone. Yeah. And you've got the kind of scroll up thing because I, I know, and I've had this conversation with people. It's very easy to get caught in the Instagram, TikTok, whatever oh, yeah. real thing of flick up, flick up, flick up, flick up, yeah. uh, and that's why um, I limit a lot of. I, you know, I don't have notifications for most of the social media on my phone, so yeah, uh, and and I'm very. And I'll be honest, you know, I'm as guilty as the next person of clicking on a reel and go, oh, that's cool. And then you just naturally just flick up. And I will sometimes get three or four reels in. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Like, could you come out? I, yeah. I'd make a, try to make a serious effort of not making or watching reels. And, but I know some people quite like that whole thing of, I don't know, like maybe it's like a fidget thing or comfort thing of you know, just being on your phone and flicking, flicking. And, and I know there's a lot of people that have released apps that try and, get you to replace that social media flick mm-hmm. of something where you can learn there's some learning apps where they say you know it's very similar to looking at a reel and a short read and stuff so for you know for uh, uh, improving your knowledge in an area or something you might be interested in i know there's some apps where they've taken like whole novels and turned them into you know five minute reads and you know they've taken the uh, sort of the highlight the cliff notes kind of out of them and turn them into apps like we also kind of flick up and yeah um, and this sounds which it's very similar and it's a similar format because a lot of these things are released weekly so that's why it's like when i tell people like i read i read some form of comic every day it's because like two comics i like come out on tuesdays and two comics i like come out on wednesdays like so every every week is a new release but some of them are, that are super super popular it's like every 10 days mm-hmm. so it's like every every day that ends in two you get a new episode um so it just depends on how popular the the comics are but yeah i mean it's it's a really big like time suck when i go and i look in my phone of, of like how my time is spent on my screen time it's like 
Instagram is at the very top. And then like right below Instagram, it's like Webtoon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, I've made my decision on Geek of the Week. I'm going to okay. actually, I can't remember if I've ever done a Geek of the Week where it's a comic. And I am going to shout out a comic which was on my anticipated list for 2024. Look at so, us. I know. So for anyone watching and listening, it is the first issue of Ultimate Spider-Man, issue one by Jonathan Hickman. And uh, I'm not quite sure how you say the artist's name, but it's Marco Chichetto, maybe. Um, so if anyone doesn't know, they have relaunched the Ultimate Universe. So what happened was the from the original Ultimate Universe, which which was which was actually killed off by Jonathan Hickman a few years ago, there they, there was a villain. Well, he was a previously a superhero called Mister Fantastic, as we all know from Fantastic Four. He became a villain known as the Maker. Really? I don't really know. Yeah, I don't really know how that happened, but anyway. So then he came to the the six one six, which is the traditional Marvel universe, which we've all grown up and loved for, since the dawn of time or timely comics actually as it, as it started so um the maker has been residing in the 616 universe for the last however many years since the ultimate universe was gone and there was a mini series which was launched over the summer in which the maker just decided he was going to bring back his universe but he was going to run the show he did approach miles and said in the first issue do you want to come with me miles said no thank you and then the maker went off and decided to create his own universe. However, what, what the maker did was, because he uh, is a villain, he prevented a lot of superheroes from their origin stories. Oh. So one of the first moments in this new universe is where a young Peter Parker is about to be bitten by a spider, and the maker just steps over and gets the spider and... Yeah, <laughs> Saves Peter Parker a whole world of pain, by the sounds of it. So, um, I love it. So, there, so this issue picks up with a much older Peter Parker, who, well, it's twenty years after. So, yeah, if he was sixteen, I don't know, maybe he's thirty-six now or, or something like that. And the first picture here is, I mean, on YouTube you can see it here. He's a, a much older man, full beard, full glasses beard, and all, glasses and all, and. Next issue, that's our next page. You probably can make it out. There's some children here. It looks like a teenager already. No, no, those are teenage, yeah, teenage children. So, um, and he's got his wife, MJ. So he's married to obviously Mary Jane Watson, who is here. And the whole issue introduces a lot of people who you might know. J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. So, do you see? And the twist here is that... Um, I can't uh, tell who that is. Okay, Uncle Ben is alive. Really? Yeah, yeah. So Uncle Ben... Uncle ben however, May is dead now in this. So, um, and, and so the whole issue goes through him just living his normal life. There's a lot more drama. There's drama around the newspaper. We get introduced to Kingpin briefly. Um, we, we meet a daredevil who walks well, around Matt Murdock, who is actually a priest rather than a lawyer. So, there's a few twists and turns that have taken along the way. And, uh, and, and so, I, I would imagine as the ultimate universe goes on, they may touch on other characters. So, in the, in the final few moments, 
Peter Parker does get bitten by a spider. And this is how it ends with this issue's been out a few weeks, so you can see him here highlighted. Okay. Stand on top of the building. So he's now finally faced the destiny that he should have had 20 years previously. But so now he still becomes Spider-Man, but like after he's married with kids? Yeah. So now he's Spider-Man. So he's married, children. Okay. But let's be honest. Peter Parker is not the luckiest of individuals. No. I would like to see how this marriage and family life survive now that he's become Spider-Man. So they won't. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, we're, we're not we're not looking at issue two here by any means, but I'm sure by issue twenty there will be fr- um, some, you know, some definitely some friction, tension, shall we say? Yeah, friction. That was the word I was looking for. But no, do you know what the artwork is? is really really fantastic so detailed so good obviously um and jonathan hickman is a fantastic writer there's no real comedy in here which you're used to with peter parker there's no one-liners it could just be that there's a lot going on in this issue drama and they're obviously paying the repercussions of what the maker did and and you can see in the in the whole issue peter parker just feels run down by life mm-hmm. uh, and at the end of it there's very much a whole thing of him being denied his destiny uh, and he feels like he's been burdened by the fact that really his life was taken away from him by the maker the life he should have had the maker change but how does he know that he should have had that life oh so he's explained it, it, it so he's told this at the end of the issue he's told this oh, so, okay. um so some some of the yeah, i won't go into all the details but somebody does tell him this is you know, this was the life you present yeah, should have had uh, and you can um there's a lot more in there but yeah, so he's aware of the life he should have had and, uh, yeah, yeah. So he was essentially been told that he should have been bitten by the spider when he was, you know, a young boy. Yeah. And that was taken away from him. So he's burdened by the fact that something was taken away from him deliberately. So can you imagine if you were told, you know, Jasmine, actually twenty years ago, um, I, you know, I deliberately stopped you from getting on a bus, and um, and right now, Jasmine, you have superpowers. I'd be pissed. I'd be like, first of all, you never should have told me. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> screw you. <laughs> yeah, like, can you imagine? Like, yeah. Just, um, I don't know. I can't think of a thing or whatever. Or, yeah, I deliberately prevented you from getting hit by that radioactive truck that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're like, damn it. <laughs> so, anyway, it was a really good issue, and I'm glad I read it, and I will carry on reading it. So Okay. All right. So, so you've gonna... already got one thing off your 2024 list. Last week, yeah. I got one thing off my 2024 list. I think we're already doing better than 2023. Yeah, we're doing a lot better <laughs> so far. So, um, Right, we're going to move into our main event. As it's Geeks and Niche Review Show, we review something adapted from comic or gaming world. Aha. And we do mainly comic gaming, sorry, mainly comic adaptions. We're going to do a gaming adaption. I'm so excited. <laughs> I don't know what for, but anyway, Street Fighter 1994 is directed by Stephen E. Uh, D'Souza. Screenplay and story was also by the same man, based on Street Fighter 2 by Capcom. And, okay, here we go. It stars Jean-Claude Van Damme as Guile, 
Raul Julia as M. Bison, Ming-Na Wen as Chun-Li, Byron Man as Ryu, Damien Chapa as Ken, Kylie Minogue as Cami, Wes Judy as Sagat, Peter Tuasasopo as E. Honda, Jade Tavare as Vega, Grandel Bush as Balrog, Andrew Bynarski as Zengif, Roshan Seth as Dalsum, and Robert Mamone as Blanca. I'm pretty sure that's all the fighters in Street Fighter 2. I used to always go to win with Dalsum because his hand was the one that went super fast. I I liked playing with him too because I didn't like close combat. Wait, 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 like whenever we used to play with Dull Sim, everyone would get annoyed going, why do you keep choosing this one? I can't get anywhere near you. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, that's why I keep If choosing. I wasn't Dull Sim, I was always E-Honda. Always E-Honda. <laughs> I used to prefer, I used to like Caillou as well. Like, oh, okay. like boom. I used to love Ken was my boom. least favourite. Um, anyway. Ken and Guile, didn't like them. Um, oh. oh, and first appearances. So this first Street Fighter game was originally an arcade game. Um, came out, franchise began 1987. Capcom is a Japanese developer. Um, and then Street Fighter 2 hit the arcade in 91. And in 1992, it was adapted for console. And that is when it hit the NES, the Super NES. And that is the version of Street Fighter that I played. I, I never had an, uh, a SNES. A lot of my friends had SNES. It's either Mega Drive or Genesis for the Americans. Genesis, yeah. So I, I would go around friends' houses and everyone would be going nuts about Street Fighter 2. And I was so annoyed that it was. Uh, I don't know if it, I, I think I found that recently one was released on the Genesis Mega Drive, but I, I was not aware of it at the time. So, yeah, I think that came way later. Yeah, yeah. Well, probably, uh, well, probably once the hype had started to die down, they wanted to make some more money. So yeah. whenever I play it, it would be in the arcades or around friends' houses. It would be so annoying though in the arcades because you'd want to, somebody would always come along and whoop your ass that was much better at it. Yeah, of course. Um, right, it was released, this movie was released so on the 23rd of December 1994, had a running time of 102 minutes with a budget of 35 million. It made 99 million. Well, 99.4 million at the box office. I mean, that doesn't seem so bad for way back when. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, people double, just did more than double their money. So, yeah. Uh, also, eight million of their $35 million budget was uh, was his salary. Oh, joke. <laughs> oh, my God. The fun facts about this movie. Now, this movie came out at a time when I. I think the internet was around. I did not have internet in 94. Like I didn't get internet for the first time until 97. Um, So all of like the background and drama stuff that is now so easily accessible, like none of that was available to us when we were kids. So I had no idea any of these things were happening around this film. Um, The first fun fact, not really a fun fact. It's kind of sad. This was the last film that Roald Julia did before he passed, um, he actually what had already undergone a couple of procedures to try to get rid of the stomach cancer that he had, um, but they were unsuccessful. So he was literally terminally ill on the set in Australia, and they had to work around his like abilities. Um, and so like, but nobody told the stunt coordinator. And so the stunt coordinator was really pissed because they couldn't 
the the stunts that they had planned and the fight choreography that they had planned for his character in Bison, he couldn't do them, be- obviously because he was already very very sick, um, and so it was just like, but like the director knew and the producers knew. Why didn't you tell the people that are actually going to be needing to be close to him on set that this was this was going to be an issue? Um, but everybody loved him on set even though he was sick like his his whole family came down to australia with him um and even though he was sick he still like hung out with the cast and crew he'd play games with them between sets everyone just had nothing but nice things to say about raul julia and how much of a professional he was on set the entire time um which is quite the contrast to van damme um so it was the 90s right like everybody had a cocaine problem in the 90s didn't they um so one of the biggest problems with this street fighter film was a van damme and his eight million dollar salary for from the 35 million dollar budget uh but also his cocaine habit was so bad while they were filming this movie that he became a nightmare like he would be late to shoot. He would mess up his scenes. He would drag things out. Sometimes he wouldn't leave his hotel room. They actually hired a person to like be his wrangler to like kind of rein him in and get him going. That person ended up like, I don't know if that person ended up on cocaine, but that person definitely ended up like drinking way too much when they should have been working. Um, So it was just like, nobody could get a grip on Van Damme. (laughs) while they were filming this movie and the director was like well I guess he's not showing up today let's see what else we can film instead um they had to cut entire sequences out of the script they had to rebuild sets to do reshoots uh for things that he just never ever showed up to um they had a whole bunch of drama they filmed part of the film in Thailand but their schedule in Thailand was really tight but and there was like some kind of typhoon or something happening while they were in Thailand half the crew and half the cast got sick they all ended up losing a lot of weight and it was just like drama on top of drama on top of drama there was also like rumors of Van Damme and Kylie Minogue like having an affair together like while they were filming um I mean it was just like And so like the director kept telling people, he was like, I need more time. And Capcom was like, no, you have no more time. We are very serious about this being a Christmas movie because we already have the merchandising that is going to be also released at Christmas. Like this movie and the merchandising, it has to happen at the same time. So like the production was rushed. The production was a mess. There was no money. Um, It was just like, like I it I I was reading all of this background and I'm like, this is the first I've heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> all the drama, but they said that like seriously, like Van Damme's cocaine habit was so bad. Like back then, he was probably spending ten grand a week on cocaine. Right, surely that would put most people into a grave. Like ten I mean, grand a week. I just unless it's for a bunch of people, I can't make you know, ten grand for himself. But yeah, yeah, like I, but I guess it had to the only reason that he's still alive is because he was so fit. Like, otherwise, I feel like, yeah, like somebody else on that much cocaine, Uh like, I mean, I don't know, maybe we should call some of these other actors in Hollywood that have recovered. (laughs) Somebody call Charlie Sheen. (laughs) Figure out how the hell Charlie Sheen is still alive. 
but yeah, it was wild. Like 10 K a week and $10,000 back in 94. Like what's the inflation rate? Like how much cocaine is that now? You know what I mean? Like that's a lot of freaking money, like on drugs, dude. Yeah. I mean, that's totally. Like, like, yeah. Oh, so, anyway. um, so my last fun fact is just kind of like, also they never told the stunt coordinator that, A, this is based on a video game, but B, like, every individual character has a specific fighting style. So the choreographer came in into the set and he was thinking like, I'm going to teach them how I have already envisioned all of these fights happening. And the director was like, yeah, but no, that's not going to work because Ryu and Chun-Li definitely don't have the same style. And and he's like, the coordinator is like, what do you mean? <laughs> it's just like... Is one hand not talking to the other? Like, what are we doing here? So, but of course, fans of the video game would recognize that quite a few characters actually did get their signature moves in the film. My favorite of those was E Honda and his hands, because he was my oh, yeah. is one of my favorites to play. Although I was very disappointed we did not get Chun Li and her like speedy kick. Yeah, yeah. I know, I like like she did a lot of flying kicking, but we didn't get a speedy kick. We got a Hadouken from Ryu. Um, we, what else did we get? We got Vega and his rolling stab move. We got Ken and his spinning uppercut. We got Guile and his upside down helicopter spinny kick. Um, we got M. Bison and his flying punch. Uh, we got Cammy and her thrust kick, even though it didn't really look much like a thrust kick to me. She just said it while she was like punching a guy. I don't know. Anyway, that was very weird. Um, so we got, we got quite a few things, but uh, not not quite everybody. And I think like the biggest Easter egg we got was at the very end of the film when everybody kind of paused and did like their winning move from the video game. So that was a nice little nod to video game fans as well. Um, and that's all I got for the fun facts for this one. There were, there were just most of the fun facts about this film were just drama on set <laughs> um right okay so i'm the summary because it, it, it sounds like it's from another film um in this one but anyway, in the minutes, serious film <laughs> like, yeah that's what i mean when I, I just quickly glanced over it and I, I had read this actually earlier but uh in the midst um midst of a civil war in southeast asia a general intensifies the climate of violence by kidnapping 63 un delegates to free the hostages a colonel leads a group of fighters who will use all of their skills to be successful actually in the film it was the an not the un so shame on you imdb you should have watched the film before you wrote the description <laughs> yeah. um I, well, I, we, we did talk about this earlier but to talk about our experiences on the video game themselves. Uh, so, did you, um, did you play it in the arcade? You said you played it in the arcades. Do you remember if it yeah. was one or two that you played in the arcades? Uh, Street Fighter Two, it was. Okay. Yeah. So, um, my parents have a caravan, one of those static ones, which uh, you, well, you know. Um, but for anyone listening, my parents have not the same, but they've had two different caravans, but in the same place since I was about 10 and um, so that's about 30 years and they they have a complex on site with a huge arcade and so my experience of growing up in arcades was mainly that arcade down there uh, so most weekends if we were down there my parents would be 
um, you know, sort of the entertainment bar, and all of us kids would be hanging out in the arcades and keep tapping up my parents for money, and, you know, <laughs> put, put money, put money in the arcade machines. And uh, there was yeah. honestly some great arcade machines. We had the Teenage Mutant Turtles arcade machine. We had the Simpsons arcade machine. Uh, we had a Street Fighter uh, arcade machine. You know, there was another fighting one. I'm talking about it that was very similar, very similar to Street Fighter. Tekken. Um, no, it wasn't Tekken. I don't think Tekken uh, was out yet. No, it wasn't Tekken. I want to. I want to say from this from memory, there was one character that was kind of the main character in the fighting game, uh, and there seemed to be a bit more of a story on it. But I remember that as well, and a lot of people quite liked that. But yeah, no, there was a, there were Street Fighters, but you'd get everybody would crowd around mm-hmm. and, and watch everybody play, whether it was Street Fighter or The Simpsons or. Uh, the turtles and, and people would um because with the turtles and the simpsons you could actually have up to four players and sometimes and sometimes somebody would have to if they um died while people were scrambling for money in their pockets um yeah you're all running off to their parents to go and get money somebody would have to keep keep the game going because yeah. you know obviously there was levels and i think um i remember once somebody i think it was the turtles getting near the end of the like the actual game and so many people were crowding around because it must have taken like 40 quid or something <laughs> to get get you know get to the i mean it wasn't just one person supporting power it was everyone chipping in and and so i remember seeing the final bit and everyone was like couldn't believe it i was like no i've walked in so many times i've seen it on level one or two or three or whatever i can't remember how many doubles it was but yeah, I used to love going in the arcades and playing Street Fighter. That was my main experience with Street Fighter was um, in the arcades. And then, um, and then as I got a bit older, I because they released it obviously on the SNES originally, but then they started putting it out on other things like PlayStation and stuff like that. Uh, and I bought a copy of it on the PlayStation Two, and I actually went and bought a Street Fighter joypad. Actually, like had all the colours and. Had yeah. a couple of the players on the joypad, and, and it was meant to be a bit more of an easier controller for fighting. Uh, so I had that, and I remember the copy of the game I bought for the PlayStation Two also included an animated because uh, you know there's um, a lot of um, anime mm-hmm. Street Fighter films, which I, I, I watched at the time. But I don't remember them, but the game I bought actually had a, an anime movie on there, a Street Fighter as well, which I thought was quite unique for PlayStation. They didn't really do stuff like that, yeah. So they included the film and the game, which I thought was cool. Um, but yeah, so um, and to be honest, my favourite characters there was a lot of them, but I think Guy was probably one of my favourites. I, I I was a big no, I was a big fan of the Sonic Boom, so I thought Sonic Boom was pretty cool. And um, there are other characters I liked as well. I think I, I actually quite liked playing with Cami, but characters that w- would always win would be like E Honda or. Um, was it was his name again? Do, 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 what's his name again? Dalton. Dalton, yeah, yeah. Like, I whilst he wasn't probably my favourite character, like he didn't look that cool or flashy like Ryu or Ken. I knew that I could always beat people with him because of his stretchy limbs and stuff. Yeah. So um but what about what was your experience of Street Fighter? So yeah, the first time we played it, um, I don't remember really going to like dedicated arcades when i was a kid but like every movie theater had an arcade in it so like what if we were waiting for a movie we would play in the arcade at the movie theater um and we used to play the fighting games 
there. So that was the first time I remember Street Fighter. And then when it finally came out for the Super NES, that that was the game that me and my cousins played. Cause like we always spent so much time together. And it was just like anytime we were over at anyone else's house, it's like only one of my cousins had the game. But like whenever they they would just like bring the game with them. It was like, okay, well we're going bring the game, bring the cartridge. So we always played Street Fighter on Super NES. Um, and my favorite to play as was E Honda <laughs> because like it was so hard to beat E Honda like once you got those hands going. <laughs> so I liked playing as E Honda. Um, uh, I can't. I don't really like remember anybody else's play style too much. I would play as Chun Li sometimes because Chun Li had the the leg kick. Yeah. Um, but. I would say, or oh, I played as Blanca because Blanca could like electrocute people. Oh yeah, I like to play as Blanca as well. Yeah, like, so I would play thing. as Blanca sometimes, but like ninety eight percent of the time, I was picking E Honda for sure. Yeah, I used to pick Blanca as well, as she could be electric. So. Yeah, uh, and that would be annoying to people as well. They're like, I can't get anywhere near you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you choose it. You choose Blanca next time. Uh, <laughs> all right, okay. So we're clearly big fans of the game. Yes. Actually, do you remember before we move on? Do you remember they released? And I can't remember. If it, I think it was like the Dreamcast, Sega Saturn, maybe the Sega Saturn era of gaming. They released a 3D version of Street Fighter, and and it was so not that popular. Does not sound, I didn't have I, any I, Sega products, so like I never really kept up uh, with Sega games. Oh, I didn't have the Sega Saturn, but I had friends that did. But I remember a 3D version of Street Fighter came out. And people didn't like it. They were like, no, no, no I like the 2D one. Like, yeah. Don't want this. Don't want this nonsense. And um, and they they had Virtual Fighter on the Saturn as well. Do you remember Virtual Fighter? Mm-mm. Yeah, well, it was all around that generation of consoles. So we're, well, we're it's big... still coming out. Last the last Street Fighter game came out in September of two thousand twenty-three. So wow. So we're clearly fans of the game. We've had our own interactions with the game over the years. One of us is a fan of the movie. <laughs> Mark is oh. looking around him for those of you that are just listening because obviously oh. it's not him. <laughs> anyway, overall thoughts on this movie. I, I think you go first, Jasmine. You, you go ahead. I, okay, might go like, and, I might go and grab a beer, I think. Right. Like, <laughs> I think I should, have, I should have got a beer before I started. I, I know you should have. So I'm thinking of it from 1994. Like, <clears throat> this was a game that I played more than any other video game because like it came out before Mortal Kombat. Um, So once Mortal Kombat came out, I kind of put Street Fighter to the side, but I played this game so much. And this film came out two years after the game did. And it was like, I had built up two years of gaming history with this game. And so when the film came out, like as a kid in 94, I was stoked. I was so excited. And like, I didn't care about the bad CGI or the <clears throat> the terrible one-liners. Like I didn't care about any of that stuff. I was just super excited. Or, or no, obviously I was a kid. I didn't care about the plot. <laughs> it didn't matter to me. Not one bit. Yeah. I suppose so. Yeah, I suppose so. Nine nine four. I would not think. Uh, yeah. Either. So it was just so exciting for me to see all of the game characters in real life, like on screen, and that is like the nostalgia that I have from it. Um. And I think just because, like, there's almost some kind of, like, 
familiarity that you have with them. Like we spent so much time playing as these characters that when it came time for the movie, then the new debate became like, oh, well, if if it was me doing Ehan in the movie, then he would have done this. Or if it was me doing Ryu in the movie, he would have done that. Like now we're nitpicking the film based on like how we thought the video game characters should have been. Um, but it was just, it was so fun. Like way back at this in the at the time, it was so fun. I remember just I, again, did not enjoy this film as much as I did another one, but it was fun. And even then I knew it was like cheesy, but I was still super excited because again, I got to see these characters like come to life. Um <clears throat> rewatching this film today. <laughs> I was almost like appalled at how terrible it is <laughs> when I was a kid I loved it so much but like it was not one of those films that I kind of that had the rewatchability. it was just like a nostalgic kind of thing and so like watching it today I was just like man but like again maybe I just haven't matured at all since 94 but like I still laughed at some of the same parts like there's one part where at the end and everybody's escaping and Zangief and DJ are talking to each other. And Zangief is like, why did you work for M. Bison if you knew he was a bad guy? And DJ is like, cause he paid me a lot of money. And then Zangief is like, you got paid? I remember that. That is still so funny to me. So I still laugh that like a lot of the same parts, I don't know, the movie still has the nostalgia feel to me. Um, it's just that now I can see that this is a terrible, awful film, but I still love it. Um, you know, before we go, before I get my thoughts, I just actually went online and looked up. I don't know how many, I'm not going to count them, how many versions of, obviously there's the Street Fighter 987, but literally Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition, Hyper Fighting Edition, the new Challengers Edition, Turbo, Alpha, um, Alpha 2, X-Men versus Street Fighter, Street Fighter X. Uh, so uh, obviously there's so many there's the anniversary edition the alpha anthology there's the uh, street fighter versus tekken uh, street fighter versus mega man um and then like you say in 2023 we've had street fighter duel and street fighter six that's mm -hmm. crazy like how many games has been so, yeah it's been going uh, strong franchise since 1987 uh, it's like mario but it's I'm one of those franchises that nobody talks about it's crazy to me, though, that they didn't want to drop the two for ages. It was Street Fighter 2 something, Street Fighter 2 something, Street Fighter 2 something. And I thought to myself, why can't they just call it Street Fighter 3, Street Fighter 4? I don't know why. I, I'm, I've never played the first ever Street Fighter. I don't think I ever played the first one. I'm assuming, because I, I, I'll be honest with you, I assume there must be a massive difference in terms of, well, I'll just pull up the cover for Street Fighter 1. It, it looks like Ken is on the cover for it, but... Because I, I, I think what they did with the first game, they actually had like a story component to it. So it was an actual tournament. And right, either Ken or Ryu won that tournament. Um, and so that's why they were main characters in this film, because they were coming off of a win at the last, at the uh, in the first game. And um, then Street Fighter 2 just blew up. And they were like, <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, I've noticed it again. Uh, right. So my thoughts on this movie. Now, I, I was trying to recall watching this in 1994. And I know I watched it. I do remember that. Don't really remember much about my experience from it. But it's really weird. For years, I've been saying a line to people, which I'd forgotten that I'd seen in this film. 
And, and as they were saying, as the guy was saying it in the film, I was like, oh, no way. I was like, I've used that. Line. Well, I, I, I didn't use it entire, in its entirety. I used the, the punchline. And um, so when M. Bison's chatting to Chun-Li, and, he, and he's saying, oh, you know, for years you've been driven by this horrible event when M. Bison came to your village and did this and this and killed most people. Most important day of your life. But yeah, the most important day answer. of your life. I, I, and then for me, and then, and then as he, before he said it, I went, oh, I said it's Tuesday. And then as he said it, I, and, but for me, it was a Tuesday. And I thought, no way. I've said that so many times over the years. Like, oh, for me, that was a Tuesday. Like, and I, I thought, I did not realise I took that line from this film when I, over the years, I've, I've said, oh, for me, that was a Tuesday or whatever. And um, so I was quite pleased that clearly I did remember that line. And um, when this film came out, I was, the one thing I still can recall from my thoughts back in 1994 was how shocked I was that Kylie Minogue was in a, a sort of big, this, you know, this was a big Hollywood blockbuster type yeah. film back then. And I was like, no way, Kylie Minogue from Neighbours is in, in Street Fighter 2. I was shocked. Did, did you, do you know much about Kylie Minogue? Because I know she's bigger in Australia. When I, in 1994, I had no idea who she was, but I do know her now. Like her music was really popular when I was in high school. Yeah, I, I think you I wasn't in high school in 94. I think you said to me before, actually, that her music could make its way to America, yeah. uh, which I was taken back by. I thought she was just kind of Australian British audience. I didn't know she made it as far as America. Well, so, but they yeah. filmed this movie in Australia. Most of this cast is Australian. All of the background voices and all that stuff is Australian because their budget was so low because Van Damme was taking up so much of it. Most of all of the extras, they're all Australian. Uh, oh, that's how they probably got her in it then. She yeah, probably exactly. They probably that's said that's that, exactly yeah. how she's in it, yeah. Uh, they probably said, who's a big uh, Australian star that we can put in here? And so obviously there's some big Americans in there, but there's, yeah, I did not know. So that makes sense. I didn't know, realize that, so. Um, yeah, I don't remember my thoughts or feelings on it at all. I clearly can't have been in love with it because between 1994 and now, this is my second watch. I've never gone back to rewatch that. So, but I can't honestly say what my thoughts were, but I must have not loved it to, to revisit it. So, um, having rewatched it now in 2024, um, I, I, I'll be honest. I, this is probably one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. And I, I honestly... I'm going I, that last, last year, I thought Spawn was bad. And then I thought Man-Thing was bad. But you damn, think this is worse than Man-Thing? I'm, I'm probably heading that way. Like, it, it's a really, really bad movie. It's, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's, it's a really bad film. It is but, not Man-Thing um, bad. That, that, yeah, I mean, it might be between Man Thing and Spawn, maybe. I don't know. It's it's uh, you, it, you the guy who likes He Man. You I mean, think that all of these other films are so awful, but you love <laughs> Masters of the Universe. See, Dolph that's Lundgren a difference. A, that's a difference when you watch it when you're a kid versus when you watch it way later. Dolph Lundgren is a far superior actor to Van Damme. I. <laughs> Is he though? <laughs> I think they're probably on par. I think they're probably on par with each other. Yeah. But, but, um, no, anyway, uh, my my thoughts on this film are really just it's just bad. It's just a really bad film. Uh, the, the the plot is so paper thin. 
they 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 just wanted to shoehorn in every single Street Fighter character, even if it didn't make sense. Yes, that um, was a complaint uh, that the director had, but of course, Capcom was pushing for it because merchandising. So yeah. the director was like, "This is too many characters for the audience to pay attention to. Like, we need to pull this back." And Capcom was like, "Nope, everybody in the game got to get some screen time." And the director was like, "Okay." <laughs> there are elements that I enjoyed. I thought I thought that Carly Minogue did actually a really good job, considering. Even back then, she was a neighbor's actress with, with some music career. I thought she handled herself pretty well. And at the end, when she was crying, you could see she was genuinely crying. And no, I, I thought she, because clearly she, and Van Damme's not an actor in any capacity. And you could see she is an actress. So she, she was trying to bring some element of acting to this chaos so yeah, are I, you I, sure I, we watched the same film because she was uh, one of the weakest characters in this entire I, movie no i i no, i i felt at the end when she was doing the crying that she was really trying to <laughs> push that experience. i i do think that mingna was yeah a real standout though and well, i her, love her introduction i love her introduction when she's the reporter and she's laying the scene out and she came across as, as probably the strongest actress in this, and one of the strongest characters with, with actually some background and some depth. Now, the person that ruined this movie for me actually was Van Damme. He was just so awful. Like words to describe. I don't. I don't. I can't just blame drugs for this. He just is a bad actor. He's a really, really bad actor. And you know, he he isn't an actor. He is himself. So. It didn't matter whether I was watching Friends or Street Fighter. I'm watching Van Damme run around and flex his muscles. And yeah, listen, it, you uh, go see Van Damme movies the same reason you go see Tom Cruise movies because you want to see Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise. Yeah, I mean, Tom Cruise is an actor, though. Yes, I mean, he's a much better actor than Van Damme, but like every Tom Cruise movie is a Tom, except for Tropic Thunder. <laughs> oh my god, well, I mean, Joe McGuire is very different to. Huh? Jerry Maguire as well, very different to. Uh, uh, maybe that still seems very on par to me. I mean, Jack Reacher and Mission Impossible were interchangeable. I mean, yeah. Jack Reacher was a little bit more toned down, but uh, well, that's because his version of Jack Reacher had to be four eleven instead of six seven. It's fine. Sorry, I know it's off topic, but his version of Jack Reacher makes me laugh now compared to the TV series version. So. Yeah, the TV series version is great. I love that guy. I, I haven't watched the TV version, but I need to watch it. But I feel like it's like they got the dwarf out for the movies, and then they actually got the real Jack Reacher out on the TV series. Mm -hmm. You realize how small Tom Cruise is. It can fit in my pocket. So, anyway, let's come back to this movie. I mean, it's like. Well, you can tell it's a very 90s production, right? Yeah. The script was clearly rewritten several times, even on the day. They, they were probably just making up as they went along. I'd be willing to bet there's probably 17 different versions of the script floating around the studio. Oh, yeah. uh, just, you know, well, they kept that. running out of money and they kept running out of sets to film on. So they kept scrapping things from the script. Uh, yeah, it's just... It's just it was so fobbed together, it was chaotic. It was like a case of trying to make the best of a, of a really bad thing. Like, uh, I'm shocked that it made money, if I'm honest. So, uh, Actually, uh, it made a lot more money than the sequel. 
So Well, I, it's not technically a sequel, but the yeah, yeah, other yeah, Street yeah, Fighter the other film. Um, this this movie. I mean, the, the plot is, is awful. I mean, M Bison. I mean, even to, I just who dresses like that in a real world setting? Why? <laughs> Come on, it's it's based on a video game. Yeah, I know. It was basically how can we make a video game into a film where it's literally a video game as a film? Yeah. And when I was watching this, I thought, you know what? Even the Bob Hoskins Mario Brothers film is a far superior movie to this, even though it's terrible. It, 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 that movie tries to be a good film. This movie isn't trying to be a good film. There's, there's nothing about it where they're trying to make it a good film. They're just, it's almost like, how can we make this work? I actually feel sorry for this director. He must have just really been glad when he walked away. It was away. his very first film, his first feature film. Oh, just, Which imagine. I think it's a terrible idea for directors to take on properties like this. Like, don't ever take on any kind of existing franchise as your first film. That's a bad idea. Especially with a drug addict. Well, yeah. <laughs> An egomaniacal drug addict. Jesus. Please calm down a bit now. So. Yeah. I mean, can uh, you imagine, like, how big of a baby are you that, like, a, you have the biggest budget of the entire production, and you still are like, I'm not gonna my hotel room, dude. Yeah. Do your job. Do your job. Uh, so, w- watching this movie, I-, I watched it over two nights. I watched the first half an hour yesterday. Half an hour in, I was like, I can't, I can't. I have to turn it off. I was like, this is so awful. <laughs> And so I came back to it today and it was really, really hard work to make my way through it. I, I was just, I was actually really looking forward to the rewatch of this. So I, maybe I hyped myself up too much. Maybe I should have walked in with much lower expectations. So, um, yeah, it's just a weak ass film. It, it's just, oh, I don't know. I, uh, I struggled to find, I think for me, the best in there was Chun Li. And that's probably yeah. if I'm going to move into favorite characters. I know there's a lot of characters in there, and this is where it struggles. There's way too many, way too many people yeah. in here, way too many. And I know we've got a handful of people that stand out. You know, you've got M. Bison as the villain, yeah. Gaiul, Chumney, Kami, and Ken and um, Ryu as the, the kind, they're kind of the main six. And then, but they, it, it's how can we throw every single character in here? Even to the point of how can we create Blanca? It's just no, that you didn't need to have Blanca. But <laughs> when 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 he's like, "Oh, Charlie, I'm going to come rescue you," as well, I thought, "How stupid are you guys? Like, how stupid? Why are you shouting out like your best friend's name?" Because the moment he did, then by turned around and going, "Oh, your friends are going ill. I'm going to go f you up now in the chamber and turn you into yeah. a green green thing." It's like. Just well, that's actually up. canon from the game. Um, in in Street Fighter Two, like in Guile's description, it's like his his vendetta against M Bison is because M Bison killed his best friend Charlie. Oh right, okay. I did not know that. I did not. To be honest, I didn't even know the game's really happening. Because Blanca is a totally different like. Blanca is not the way that they did Blanca's backstory in this film is not at all how it is in the game. So like, oh, okay. Blanca is totally separate in the game, but. Yeah, so his his whole reason for wanting to kill uh, M. Bison was because M. Bison killed his best friend. Oh, okay, interesting. Well, it's good to see that there was some character development and um, story <laughs> and so on. But no, I, yeah, favorite characters in this. I'm gonna. I, I, I think I'm gonna say Chun Li. 
I think she's the the strongest in here. She was the strongest for sure. Uh, for me though, the only thing I can really say here in terms of nostalgia, uh, back in the nineties, I was a huge Davis fan. I used to love Kylie. Uh, well, um, uh, Jason Donovan, Kylie. Back then, I was a huge fan of that era of Neighbours. So when Kylie showed up in Street Fighter, I remember that grabbing my attention. And even going back into this. Yeah, who, 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 if you were a Neighbours fan of the 90s, you would love seeing Kylie shine up in most things. So I'm going to make that my second favourite character, even though there was no character development. She clearly was, yeah. you know, some sort of guy or fanboy. So. In 94, I had no idea who she was. Um, I think definitely Chung Lee was my favourite in this movie. And Raul Julia as M. Bison would be my second, for sure. I just he love, is. he was like the guy that actually put in all of the effort. He probably like read, the, actually the only reason he took on this role as sick as he was, was because his kids were obsessed with Street Fighter. And so he said he wanted to make a film that they would enjoy, which I mean, I don't, he never, he didn't even, um, he didn't make it to the premiere. So he passed in October of 94 and this film came hit theaters in December of 94. So I don't know that he ever even saw the final product, um, but he took this role because of his kids. And, but it, it, I feel I feel about him the way that Frank Langella did with Masters of the Universe, where he was like, my kids were obsessed with He-Man. So like, I took this role to make my kids happy. Um, so, I, but I feel like Raul Julia put his foot in it. Like, he took it very seriously. He had the campy villain bit hmm. down. Like he really was like at the top of his game here, even though nobody else was putting in the kind of effort that he was putting in. He did it anyway. It's amazing that the villains are the, especially in the nineties, the ones who were putting in more effort than yeah, and you know, loved it more than yeah. the frontline heroes. Uh, so during the movie itself. For me, the plot was really non-existent. It was it was really thin, and uh, I just I don't know. I got frustrated watching it because I felt like you've got this whole thing of him kidnapping people, and then guy who was forces want to take him down. But then it was like, what's going on with Sagat, and what's going on with Ryu and Ken? And, it's a bit like the Suicide Squad when you had the Suicide Squad movie and then the Joker's running around doing his own separate thing, which you didn't care about. Yeah. I felt a little bit like that with Ken and Ryu. I think they wanted to put in these two guys because they were the, the leads from the Street Fighter game. Mm -hmm. But actually, they probably would have been better to have just not had them in the game, in the film. So it, it, it was kind of built up as a, as a guy you versus and buy some movie and yeah. maybe they could have just left it at that and you know maybe they could have felt that actually let me do a sequel but you can understand that Capcom's like probably not no way these guys are the main stars oh no of the game. oh got... no no there was no no way they tried they tried really hard and Van Damme was all for it they they had already said Van Damme was going to come back for the sequel they had Ming-Na Wen they uh, were in talks with Byron Man who played Ryu like they were trying really hard to get that sequel off the ground and it just didn't happen um and finally the only reason we got another street fighter movie was because the rights reverted so universal lost the rights and when the rights went back to fox fox was like 
all right, now we can make our movie. And then their movie flopped. <laughs> but I, I didn't think that that one was that bad either. So, well, we'll, talk, we'll do it. I, I have got thoughts on that movie. I'll, I'll save them for an episode. But um, yeah, I, but whilst I do think this movie's terrible, there were some good moments in it. I, I, I will say that. Yeah. When I was watching it, I was like, I kept thinking my favorite move moment is going to be when the titles come up. And <laughs> I, I, it wasn't really. I don't know. One of my favorite moments where the, cl the clear moment for me when you realize how much of a lunatic M. Bison is, when he hands that guy all that M. Bison money. Yes. And he's like, well, it's going to be worth the equivalent of five British pounds to each one of my things. Uh, and he said, "Well, it will be when I kidnap their queen." And I was like, "Yeah, this is like that episode of Break, uh, not Breaking Bad, of Better Call Saul, when he shows up and the guy hands him a briefcase full of money printed with this guy guy's face on it, and because he he's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm gonna pay you up front a million pounds or whatever, and and, and you can see Better Call Saul, uh, Saul Goodman's like, really? Opens it up and sees all these notes with this guy's face on, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna sue the U.S. government." Like you know, to create my own state or, or whatever it is, and, then, uh, and it, it was just like that. But just the, the complete craziness, delu the delusion, how delusional some of these people are. But I, I loved it because he was so dead serious. And Bison was like, "Yep, just when I could kidnap their queen." I was like, "Right, okay." <laughs> uh, but I know I love that, and I love that that, that other line that I've already said about, um, uh, you know. To you, blah, blah blah, but to me, it was a Tuesday, and how he delivered it so mm -hmm. smoothly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, was, that was a good one. Uh, he, he obviously is the most superior actor in this, along with Ming um, as well. I think, yeah. she, I think between the two of them, they are the, the far superior of the actors. Definitely. Definitely. Do you have any, any favourite scenes in this? I'm sure you will. Uh, don't judge me. Don't say it that way. <laughs> uh, all of it. I couldn't. I couldn't possibly pick a favorite. I love. I loved all hundred and something minutes of this movie. Uh, <laughs> how is this not getting an Oscar nod? Oh my god! <laughs> I am not that bad. Okay. Uh, okay. So favorite scenes. Again, since E Honda was my favorite like game character, when we got those fast hands when he, he was fighting uh, Zangief, that I loved. Um, another one of my favorites was. Zangief just like turning tail like at the very end and just joining the good guys and nobody questioned it. <laughs> I, I know. I, I was and then they like sort of, did they like punch fists or something at the end or yeah. Oh my or... god, it was so stupid. Um, let's see. What else? I mean, there's there's so, but I think a lot of what I liked were all nods to the video game. So the first time we see Chun Li in her her quote unquote game outfit, the first time we see Ryu and Ken in their game outfits. When Guile takes his uh, jacket off and he's wearing like his Guile tank top, like so, all of those sequences where we have the game characters doing game things, I loved all of those moments. Um, is there anything you would change or cut about this movie? You never would have made it. That's your answer. Um, no, I think no. I, I no. I think they could have improved. No, I wouldn't say they shouldn't have made it because I think back. This is a very nineties movie. What I would definitely have done is I would have cut it back in terms of cast. I think if they'd have, 
I think, okay, the changes I would have made would be to seriously cut back on all the ancillary characters. I would, I, but no issue with there being a core six, you know, Gaiu, Cami, uh, Chun Li, even even Ryu and Ken. I, you know, whatever. I would have, I would have coned it down to a much smaller uh, group of people. I don't know how, even if they wanted to stick to the whole Gaiu and Bison rivalry i don't know how you could fit ryu and ken in but i'm sure if we'd have kept down to six it would it would have worked a lot stronger now i honestly would have not cast van damme there must have been somebody in, in the 90s he was their only choice for guile and in fact van damme turned down the role of johnny cage thank god so that he could do this role instead yeah i mean I don't know. Maybe do you know who would have been good in this movie? Brad Pitt as guy as guy Brad Pitt back in the nineties as no. as guy. Yeah, yeah. Back then, have no. you not seen him in Snatch? I love him in Snatch. Yeah, but, but look at Snatch. No, I know. Nowhere near like, that though. Yeah, but he was a, he was a good. But also, he's a much stronger actor. <clears throat> well, yeah, know. but that's not what you need in a role like this. In a role like this, you need the big muscle guy, like. Essentially, because you know the movie is going to be shit, the least you can do is hire some people who can actually fight. So the fact that you have actual martial artists in the film is what makes it a little bit better. And Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves is a really good guy. Keanu Reeves was coming off point break, man. Like, <laughs> he was still very much in his, like, surfer dude phase. That would not have worked. Um, I don't know. I can't think now. Definitely not Tom Cruise. Um, I don't know. So that must be someone else. I I personally would have recast that down. I think. Well, I mean, I think it would have been nice if a guy with a super thick Belgian accent hadn't played an American colonel. (laughs) But other than that, there's that. Yeah. So, so no, I actually have no issue with the film we made because I think you know for a long time it's taken studios to recognize that actually games and comic books can be turned into serious products and they would get these licenses knowing people would pay cinema tickets and, and merchandising was huge so this film was going to be made regardless but they could have just said that no capcom we know how to make films you know how to make games yeah, but Capcom was financing the film. And when the people financing the film are telling you to move your ass, you got to move your ass. It's a bit like Mattel with Master of the Universe. So. Yes, exactly. That's a, <clears throat> that is a problem with merchandising. And I think that's probably one of the reasons that Michael Bay was able to get away with it with Transformers. Because Michael Bay being Michael Bay was like, if you are going to hand the reins to me, I'm going to make my film. I'm not going to make your film. Um, and cause I'm t- like that first Transformers film that he did. Fantastic. Like that first film is just so, so, so good. It hit all the nostalgia that it needed to hit. Plus it updated all of the technology from everybody's childhood. So that is to me, one of the most perfect <coughs> action figure to film adaptations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That first one, they went a bit silly, but yeah. Um, no, so would you have cut or changed anything? I'm, I'm not saying I would have not made it, honestly. I would have, but I would have reduced the cast. I would have tried to strengthen maybe, I, I know the 90s, I know 
it's unlikely that we would have had more character development. But I would have tried to spend a little bit more time if they pruned it down to six. What I would have loved is actually something which was much more of a fighting style game, you know, mm. to see, I, I, you know, it, it, to know what would be cool, actually, it would have been a cool, real cool change to have made, you know, kind of a desert island style, maybe M. Bison captures them all and they've got to fight for that, you know, yeah. yeah like don't a, worry like a, next week you will, i got you covered next week oh no i know i know more <laughs> combat's going to be very different but i i just think they could they could have um it, it could have been done so different there's a lot of things yeah. they could have done differently but i would no issue with it been made and if it was still the same story just prune out all the all the crap right all the, all the unnecessary yeah. people we didn't need blanco we didn't need saga and you could have saved a lot of these people for a sequel right why why, why concentrate on threat throwing everybody in this is like when they have those again it was 90s problems you know batman and robin and, and batman forever it's like how many how many villains can we get in a movie that before yeah. it looks stupid 13 so, is the magic number <laughs> um, i think um, if i were doing it different i would have done tournament style like the game itself but again like all fighting games are kind of tournament style so that really 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 would have clashed with the next movie that we're doing but I think it just makes more sense. Like, because there's no reason that all of these people would ever come together otherwise. Like they they had lives that were just too different and not interconnected. Um, so I think they lost out on something by not doing tournament style. Like if if okay, in in 2024 vision, like I would never have said this in 94, but like in 2024, if they remake this film, this film or this franchise would be really great as like a squid games type thing where you get these people together, but like you make it super high stakes battle Royale kind of vibe. Um, I think that would work out really well. And it, it doesn't have to be like the big stakes, like mortal Kombat, Cause with mortal Kombat, it's like, Oh, your whole dimension <laughs> is like in trouble if you don't win this tournament. But with this one, it could definitely be like more personalized. Like, all of you guys are washed up, you know, you're a washed up sumo wrestler, a washed up army brat, you're a, a washed up former like top tier fighter. And somehow they all get invited to this thing. But like when they get there, it's more like death match instead of just like a fighting tournament. I think. Now in the um, fairly recent uh, Robin comic, it ran 18 issues, uh, finished in the last two years or last year or something, a good chunk of the storyline was set on Lazarus Island and they had a fighting tournament uh, and you, you could essentially get killed and come back to life and, and fight again. So to steal that would be a really cool Street Fighter thing to have a Lazarus yeah. Island. It didn't have to be Lazarus Island, but to have a whole island where... Do you know what? I think, and I've not watched it, they made a Dead or Alive movie and I'm pretty sure... Do you remember Dead or Alive? The Dead or Alive was a very was a is a similar Street Fighter game, two D two D three D fighting game, and they made a movie of that. And I've got a feeling that was something similar to that. But I've never watched the film, and um, I think the the movie was on par with Street Fighter in terms of quality. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that that potentially would be. They could move, but yeah, no, I, I, yeah, anyway, I agree with you. But right, okay, so you've thrown here. There was also an end credits. Do you want to talk about that? Did you watch it? Uh, yeah, I, I did, but only because I saw your note, I didn't know there was an end credits. 
So basically the end credit scene is setting them up for the sequel. Like M. Bison is not dead. Um, that's the whole point of the end credit scene where when him and Guile were fighting in the film, like he died, but he had some kind of built-in tech in his suit that could tell that his heart had stopped. So his suit revived him. Um, so essentially the same thing happens um, during the end credits where he seems like he's dead, but no, he like, we got a fist busting through all the rubble and M. Bison lives to fight another day. And his new uh, mission, I guess, is like, literally a gigantic button that's like world domination <laughs> click yes <laughs> um that reminds me of shredder at the end of teenage Mutant turtles skeletor it was yep. a very 90s move to have the villain i'll be back as yep. skeletor said and uh he never came back though yeah so, well yeah. <laughs> we got it we got a different version of m bison um in the in the other chumley movie which i Love Neil I McDonough. I thought I Neil McDonough remember. was a good villain, but that's a whole nother conversation. So, yeah, look, you know, it's not the best of movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, it's probably not as bad as Man Thing. It, it, it's not as good as, as other things we've seen. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it should never be made because actually, there's going to be people out there that enjoyed it more than I did, and that's not fair to say. Oh. I, I hate, you know, I really dislike those people are like, you know, in the comments when things are shared. Oh, I didn't know that show was still on or I didn't, you know, or whatever. I'm like, look, just because you didn't enjoy it. There are people out there that actually do enjoy just it. Just say I'm, it's not for me. Like, yeah, yeah. It's and it's just, I think yeah, it really annoys me. I'm like, oh, you know, season five or something, the final season. Oh, are they still making this show? Oh, I stopped watching this back in season one. It's like, okay, good for you. you know, like, <laughs> and to be honest, this thing's actually with me and you, Jason, where... We've both watched the first season or the second season, and you're like, "Oh no, I'm done," and I'm like, "Oh, I've got to carry." Up. So I do have a an OCD and a bit of a completionist mindset. I'm like, "I've started, I've got finished." However, I, I have to start to dip away from that now as I've got older. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but however, I have I equally do recognise, and there's been things in the past like falling skies, awful from start to finish. But I I I I recognised that it was awful. And I owned that it was awful, but I wanted to watch it. <laughs> and um, and people would say, "Oh, you watched it? It's rubbish." I'm like, "Yeah, I know it's rubbish, but I, I, I but you it. like it? That's fine. Yeah, yeah. that's fine." Uh, so I recognise this movie is awful, and I didn't really enjoy it. So okay. However, there were bit there were bits in there that I enjoyed. Though. There were bits, and I do think Chun Li and M Bison probably stole the show. Yeah. Uh, and as a Neighbours fan, I loved having Kylie in it. So I did. Um, what about you? What's your sort of finishing? You can give words? a number. I know, I know, I know. I'm gonna let you go first. Okay. <laughs> What's well, your I'm giving words? two numbers. So my 1994 number. That number is based on me being a video game nerd, watching a video game film, and like them giving me exactly what I wanted from a video game film in 1994. So 1994, Jasmine rates this film four and a half out of five. <laughs> Um, I, because like, as a kid, I didn't, again, I didn't care about the plot. All I cared about was, are we going to get the moves? Are we going to get signature moves? That's what I want to see. Um, and the only reason I'm giving it a four and a half is because we didn't get the Chun-Li leg kick thing. Like if we had gotten that, this would get a five, five. Um, but 2024 Jasmine is probably going to give this film a two and a half. Oh, okay. That's good. That's good. That's good. Great. Uh, I 
I'll give it a one and a half. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, a one and a half. I, I was considering, I, I'll be honest with you, I was considering lower, but I, I will push it up as there's, there's some okay parts of it. But... <laughs> By ne- next, next episode, we're going to travel uh, forward one year into 1995, <clears throat> and we're going to release, we're going to release, we're going to review the Mortal Kombat movie that came out in 1995. Yeah. So, I'm already year. mentally preparing myself that you're going to hate that one too. So I've um, never seen it. I've never huh? seen it. Never I know you've it. never seen it, but I'm uh. mentally preparing myself that you're going to hate it. And it's one of my favorite films of all time. Do you know what? I'm wondering if, so I'm not seeing it. So I would imagine the storyline here, because it is a tournament thing, might be a lot more acceptable. So what I mean by that it is... It's more palatable, but but the graphics are really, you're going to really hate the graphics. I can already tell that. Uh, so with, with the Street Fighter movie, it was like, how can we throw as many of these characters in as possible and it makes no sense. With this movie, with Mortal Kombat, it's a fine, it's a fine film. So who cares? Like, you know, that you're invited to a tournament or or you're forced to go to a tournament to fight to the death. That's the storyline. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not, you know, not everybody's going to enjoy that type of film. But but actually, there's a reason why they're all in the same room. And with the Street Fighter one, it's just ridiculous. So yeah. Um, I I can probably get my mind around that more so than than this. So. Okay. Well, I, okay, I'm preparing to have my heart broken next week, but that's okay because I love Mortal Kombat enough for the both of us. <laughs> um, we'll see if we can get someone to join us, maybe, and yeah. uh, level it out. Right. Okay. So geeks and niche are everywhere. Not everywhere because I know there's many social media platforms, but we, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Yes, so and you get this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Google, Podbean, Apple, Spotify, we are everywhere. So please leave us a five-star review and tell your geeky friends. And uh, you know what? I know you always end this episode with the journey, which is a He-Man thing. I feel like we should have a Street Fighter reference today, but I haven't got one. Right. A Street Fighter reference. Sonic Boom? <laughs> They're all silent. <laughs> Sonic Boom. That's probably the best one. Ah, Dooku! Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, the sound effects. The sound effects were like half the fun of playing the video game. Oh honestly. yeah, I used to love it. I used to love it. Um, oh. uh, but anyway, all right. Good journey. Let's go. Well, good journey.